Hey, my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. I would encourage you that today is a day that you're going to want to take notes. Um, last week, I started this three-week series called Going Public, and um, as, I, I, as I said last week, Last week was a lot about the heart. It was a lot about the uh, thy will be done, making sure that as a church, we are not trying to do my will throughout uh, six and a half days of the week, and I give him my Sunday mornings. We are striving to do his will, and, and oftentimes my will is the greatest diversion from his will, and so thy will be done. So last week was a lot about the heart, but this week I want to put legs, hands, and feet to the message that I gave last week. If you missed last week's message, that's okay. You'll be able to catch on. All I'm trying to say is you're going to want to take notes. Tell your neighbor you're going to need to take notes today. If you didn't bring a journal or paper or anything like that, that's okay. Your smart devices are welcomed here. You can just open up your note app and uh, start taking some notes. But uh, here's the scripture that um, has given us the overarching theme for what we're doing as we do this series going public. And you can turn me down just a hair. I'll talk louder, but I, I hear a bit of a ringing, and um, that drives me nuts. And so hopefully it doesn't drive you nuts. Can you all hear me in the back? If I need to give it just a hair more volume, do it. I don't care. They, they got it. They do such a great job. In fact, can we give it up for our media team and all of our dream team, our kids team, security team, parking team, so many teams. There, each week we have about 50 people who say yes to transforming a movie theater into a church for us to worship God. And we are so grateful for what they do. If you're grateful for what they do, give them one more shout of praise. Come on. They're so awesome. I love them. You can join our team too. Just sign for next steps. All right, moving on. Matthew 5 says this. Let me tell you why you are here. I'm going to say this and uh, I'm going to remind you. If, if, if you're not a Christian or if you're just checking things out, but you're like, Pastor Drew, I haven't really walked with God on the regular, then let me tell you this. You are welcome here. We hope that you'll grow with us. We hope that you'll check things out. In fact, I'm going to give you the week off. This sermon doesn't even apply to you if you have not uh, accepted Jesus into your heart yet and living for him. Just check it out, or better yet, instead of taking the week off, why don't you take notes on what the people who do call themselves Christian should be doing. In fact, hold us accountable because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this message is for you and I. Jesus said as he went on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, it said that his followers, his believers all gathered and he was speaking to them and he said this, let me tell you why you are here. Let me tell you why you're following me. You're here to be salt seasoning. Someone say salt. Salt seasoning that brings out God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Someone say light. Light bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept inside your life and inside your heart. We're going public with this. Somebody say, go in public. 
We are going public with this message because that's what Jesus told us to do. He said, do not let your light be covered up by a bowl. And as I think about this series, I love art. I, 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 I do. I, I, I like seeing uh, uh, what, what an artist meant behind different things. And I'm going to show you one of my favorite pieces of work that actually, um, when I think about going public and when I think about the church, it should look something like this. Show this picture by Scott Mutter. He is actually a photographic artist, and if you'll look closely, you might go, something's a little odd with this picture, because what you immediately see is what a lot of people, um, um, you know, uh, tie into religion. You see a church and something like that, but look up the aisle. If you look closer at the aisle, it is a city street, because the church was never meant to be separated from the city. The city needs to be inside the church. That's why I said if you're here and you're not following Jesus Christ, you're welcome here because we'll accept anybody who's just saying, hey, let me check things out. Let me see if Jesus is for me because we believe over time Jesus is for every single one of you. But there should be Different types of people and different, all representing the city inside the church. In fact, that verbiage, separation of uh, uh, church and state, was never created to keep the church out of the state. It was created to keep the state out of the church. All right? But I think sometimes the church actually thinks we give up some of our rights or we don't want to hurt or offend or we don't want to share the good news of Jesus Christ that sometimes we have voluntarily separated the church from the streets, from the state. And so that's why we have got to go public. Jesus said, I have, you've got to take this thing public. In fact, let me share with you why this matters to you um, you might think, well, Pastor Drew, that's your job. You've got to take this thing public. Let me share with you what Ephesians says my job description is, okay? And I want you to hold me accountable to this and hold even our staff, is, hold me and our staff accountable to this. Ephesians 4.11 says this is what I am supposed to do. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. Someone say, build your church. Build your church. Oh, come on. I get pumped when I hear that song because my task is to equip you to go build the church. My task is to equip you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody that you come in contact with, and I am going to be judged on that, and so that's my assignment for the rest of today and next week. So going public is all about equipping you because Jesus said, the harvest is ripe. The fields are ready. God, God is ready to bring in uh, souls of people who need to know that Jesus is Lord and find assurance of heaven, and that is where you and I come into play. So tell your neighbor, let's go. Let's get busy. Tell your other neighbor that you didn't pick the last three times, you too. Come on. I love you too. All right. If you're online, just chat to somebody. Chat to somebody and say, yeah, let's do this. All right, let's get into this thing. You know, when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to telling somebody about our belief in Jesus Christ as Lord, we can oftentimes think, Pastor, this world is getting so dark. 
the beliefs, I just, I don't understand them anymore. I don't know how people get to this point. And so when it comes to this world that has gotten so dark, I don't know if I'll make any difference at all. When you add to it that the majority of us feel inadequate to share our faith. I don't know enough about the Bible. I haven't read through it. Pastor, honestly, don't ask me if I've read the Bible this past week because it's been a little while. I just catch your sermons, and sometimes I get in prayer. But we oftentimes feel like we don't have what it takes to share our faith. I can remember when I first gave my life to the Lord in 2002. I was a student at LSU University the home of the true tigers. Clemson's just a knockoff. Counterfeits are not of the Lord. In Jesus' name. They even copied our stadium, Death Valley. It was already taken. Okay, anyway. Unoriginal campus. I can't ever root for Clemson. Anyway, back to the point. I remember feeling at times like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share my faith with fellow college students. And I remember thinking this. Have you ever thought this before? If I talk about you, I might cause more trouble by opening my mouth than by keeping my mouth shut. Because what if I get into some sort of debate and I don't even know how to share my faith? I don't even know if I'll make the difference. I don't even know if I'll move the needle. How about I just keep my mouth shut? And I think that was a thought that comes straight out of the pit of hell. Because he doesn't want us shining the light. He doesn't want us seasoning with salt the world that we live in. And so let me share this testimony. Well, I don't know if you even call it a testimony. I'll just call it a story. Some of you maybe have enjoyed, um, I think it's magic or, or comedy by a duo called Pin and Teller. I've never gotten into their stuff, and so I don't really check it out. In fact, Pin, um, Pin uh, his name is uh, Pin Gillette. He is an active atheist. He gets on YouTube all the time and talks about his atheism and how he doesn't believe in the Lord. But this is what he said about Christians and sharing their faith. I want you to check it out. Um, the video quality is not great, but this is what he shared in an interview. So check it out. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not, getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Come on, I think, I think he's got a really good grip on what you and I are held assigned to do. And so we oftentimes keep our mouth shut while it's like, a truck's coming, a truck's coming, a truck. Oh, too late. And my hope for you is that we don't get into the too late moments and that I can equip you to build his church as we're called to do. So are you ready? Come on. I hope you're ready to take notes. I'm going to give you six ways to be tastier salt, better salt and brighter light. But before I do, let me first actually give you four ways, uh, four principles of little light. Many of us feel, like I said, that my light is uh, fairly insignificant. 
I, I'm just like a little light, right? And, and, and my light doesn't seem to be making that big of a difference. In fact, you know, Pastor Drew, he's a big light. Pa- Pastor J, uh, these other people I respect. Grandma, she had faith of a giant. She, she, I respect. They're big lights, but I'm just a little light. Can I share with you, even a little light goes a long way in a dark world. In fact, if you're taking notes, here's four little light truths that I want to share with you real quickly. I'm going to move fast, so take notes or take screenshots of, of, of the um, a message as it appears on your screen or on the screen. Number one, a little light, I just said this, a little light goes a long way in a dark world. You know, we should remember this little light of mine. I don't care how little it is. I am called to let it shine. Jesus said, don't you dare put it under a bowl and hide it. You know, in a dark place, a little light goes a long way. Can I illustrate for a moment at my own expense? (laughs) Um, How many of y'all love to sleep in the pitch black? Like, you don't get any sleep if there's just even a sliver of light. I don't like LED lights that say that my toothbrush is charging or that like a little Wi-Fi repeater is out in the hallway and it's blinking that you got a signal and it's like put a piece of tape over that thing. I can't sleep. I like it. I like it dark. Anybody like a cave when you're sleeping, right? Like it real dark. So we keep it real dark in our room. My wife likes it that way too. I'm even tempted to disconnect the fire alarm because it's got a little red uh, light on the ceiling. It's like put a piece of tape over that thing. I don't think that's safe or wise, but I'm ready to go sleep. Okay. And and, and so um, now I sleep on the side of the bed that's furthest from the bathroom. Come on. Uh, You feel my uh, my misery? Any of y'all married and you're just like, why did I get the side that's farther from the bathroom? And so I have a longer journey to go in the dark to get to the bathroom. Now, my wife thought it was a great idea, and I have to give her uh, props for it, that in our room to go to the bathroom, she wanted some fancy French doors, you know, these nice little things that open up this way. For me, in the middle of the night, that's just twice the opportunity to run into something that I should not run into. And so I get disoriented uh, um, uh, as I, I'm walking. B- believe me, I am a hard sleeper, okay? I don't wake up. When the babies cry, I don't wake up, right? That is like a built-in excuse. Did you hear them? No, I did not. I did not. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't hear them. <laughs> wake me up. So, so I, I sleep hard, and when I got to go to the bathroom, I, I, I'm walking around the bed. You know how you just kind of wandering in the dark. You're reaching for things, trying to feel where the bed is, and, and you make your way. One night, not too long ago, I walked right into the French door that was open on the way to the bathroom. I'm talking just boom. Like, I, I, I hit that thing going a whole one and a half miles per hour as I just come, you know, just inching my way through. I thought that was loud enough to wake her up. My wife sleeps softly, so I didn't want to wake her up or be rude. And so I hit that thing, and I thought immediately, I I was like, here's what I thought with my half-awake brain. Who closed the French doors? We always have the doors open at night. Who closed these doors? So naturally, in the dark, I decided the door must be closed. How about I change the direction of the door and walk into the bathroom? What I didn't know was the doors were open. I walked into an open door. I just now closed the door thinking I have a clear pathway now. I'll walk even faster. And so then I walked three miles per hour into the drywall 
I hit, <laughs> I hit it with my head so hard that that woke my wife up. Not the first thing. She doesn't like to rattle me when I walk around because sometimes I've sleptwalked before and she knows don't wake up a sleeping, sleepwalking guy. It's disoriented. And so I hit this thing and she's like, you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine, fine. And I'm so confused. What's going on with this fridge door? <laughs> I finally get to the bathroom, take care of business, wake up the next morning. Lauren goes, did you run into the door in the middle of the night? I said, yeah. And she goes, what happened the second time? I said, I ran into the wall. She started laughing at me so much. I'm one of those ones who thought, this isn't funny. You're laughing at me. We're not both sharing this thing. You should feel sorry for me. She still thinks that's absolutely hilarious, and she would love that I'm telling this story. And here's the thing. Just a little bit of light in that dark situation would have gone a long way. <laughs> Just get you one of them hallway lights. No, it emits light. I can't take the little nightlight, right? But I wish I would have had it. I need a motion detecting nightlight. That's what I need, right? Okay, so anyway, um, we got to quit doubting ourselves. We got to quit making excuses. We got to quit questioning why God picked you on his team. We, we make a lot of excuses for my light's not very bright, but a little light in the midst of Grave darkness goes a long way. Can I remind you, it only takes a pinch of salt to season an entire meal. It only takes a little light to make a big difference in a dark world. Number two, the little light travels. This I borrowed from my father-in-law, Dean. He's over there. He did not want to part from this for a whole two hours while I preached this message because this light travels with him everywhere he goes because he uses it. How many times do you use the flashlight on your phone throughout a day? Come on. Somebody help me find the TV remote. Turn your little cellular light on. We got a problem up in here. I love that little lights travel. We oftentimes think, I'm not a very big light. Well, guess what? Your light travels. Your light is meant to travel with you and not just be shown up on a Sunday morning. It's meant to go with you to your college classes, go with you to your cubicles, go with you to the job site, and go with you to your family. Your light is meant to travel. Here, it's, it's handy in the daily grind. Why is it that my father-in-law doesn't carry this with him everywhere he goes? Oh, it's a brighter light. Y'all are like, I loved it when you shined it in my eye, Pastor Drew. Please do that again and again. It makes me so excited. <laughs> Unless we go back to the early 90s when they were creating cellular phones and strapped this junk to our hip. Aren't we glad that we have little lights? Because the little light is, I wrote it this way. Your little light shines through your daily grind. We don't pull this out. Hey, where's the TV remote? Hold on. I got it. <laughs> but you know what we do? We do pull out little lights all the time. Don't diminish the little light. Number three, the little light requires only a small power source. AAA battery will light this thing up. This, on the other hand, has to be plugged into the wall. So it not only doesn't travel, but it requires more power. You might say, well, Pastor Drew's really powerful, and his light is supposed to shine. He shines brighter than my light shines. Can I tell you one thing? That I carry the little light everywhere I go, too, because it doesn't take much to keep this lit up. Uh, five minutes of reading your Bible every single day. 
a few worship songs throughout the day, not forsaking the gathering of the church, just showing up to church and worshiping, just prayer from time to time throughout the day keeps this little light of mine shining everywhere I go. We can oftentimes think, man, I haven't gone through Bible college. I'm not a theologian. It doesn't take a significant amount to light up a light like this. And this makes a big difference in a dark world. And then finally, number four, don't underestimate the power of a little light combined with other little lights. In fact, can we make this uh, um, auditorium go black? Uh, uh, the, the, the team's going to make it go black. In fact, real quickly... Would everybody take out their cell phone and just turn your, turn your light on? Your light by itself does not make a significant difference. But when you turn around and start seeing all these little lights of mine and we let it shine, it starts making a beautiful, huge impact in a dark world. Come on, that's so awesome. In fact, take it down real quick. I want to show you one more thing. Keep the house dark. Keep the house dark. Daniel, would you help me out? Daniel's our light designer. Y'all put y'all's lights down. Let me show you one more thing. Go ahead, Daniel. Just show me one little light. You know, oftentimes, the, we have learned that actually our eye is always attracted to the brightest thing in a room. So he just turned on that light that most of us didn't pay much attention to this entire morning. But when it comes on by itself, what? Your eye is drawn to it. But then you can think, that little light of mine is not making a big difference. But what happens when a bunch of little lights start representing and they start filling up a place? All of a sudden, the church becomes a beautiful mosaic and it doesn't take a bright light. It doesn't take a lot to make a big difference. Come on, church. Look at your neighbor and say, we need you. We need you. Let's do this thing. Thank you so much, Daniel. Sometimes... It's as simple as just repping a little light on your t-shirt. In fact, we called today uh, Vintage uh, T-Shirt Sunday. If you, when you leave, if you'll look on the left of the hallway, any shirt, any one of our vintage shirts, if it's in your size, it's yours free. Take it. Rep that shirt, man. Get, get, it, get, it, get as many shirts as you need for you and your family or whatever. Pass them out. Because sometimes a little light is just representing a little light uh, that happens at my church or represent and starts a conversation speaking of church uh shirts starting a conversation did you know lift church is gaining a reputation all of us we're gaining a reputation here's what people you don't always get to hear it here's what people tell me i've had people walk up to me and say oh you're lift church you guys are always doing something for the city like i always see those blue shirts doing things all the time. You're always like uh, get, getting um, ramen noodles and, and, and soup and, and socks and, and now kicks for kids and, and you're out in the city on serve days and stuff. I'm seeing you're always doing something because uh, it takes a bunch of little lights doing maybe not even huge things, but together it becomes a huge thing, right? And then here's another one I hear. I've heard uh, some of us here in our, our church say this. I've always wanted to be a part of a church that serves the city. The way we do here. Come on. It's just a bunch of little lights shining up together, creating a beautiful mosaic that the city can see. Our God is in love with you. Our God is for you. Our God desires you. Jesus died for you. Come on. So you might say, Pastor Drew, I'm sold, but how? I get scared when it comes to sharing. So let me go in teacher mode for the rest of the nine minutes that I have left. I want to give you six practical ways that you can be better salt 
and brighter light. 100% of us, we got to church because somebody invited us. They might have invited us through a social feed that they reposted, or they might have invited us at the workplace, or maybe it was our parents or our grandparents invited us, but we all end up finding Jesus because somebody of influence in our life reached out to us and shared the love of Jesus Christ, and we cannot forget that. Rick Warren said, one of the tragedies of long-term Christians is that we forget how dark hell was before we had the light of Christ. When you've walked with Jesus for a long time, it's almost like you could take that light for granted. I've been in the light for a long time. I haven't been blindfolded. I ha- I- I- I'm in the light, right? Um, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. I-, I-, I was blind, but that blindness was so long ago, I can't even remember it. We have to remember what it's like to bump into French doors on the way to the bathroom That's funny, but what's not funny is the bump into things in this world trying to figure this thing out. Stubbing your toes, hurting other people, jacking others up along the way, living without the hope of Christ. So how do we do this? Did you know that uh, there's actually six different ways that you can reach somebody? We oftentimes associate with the first one that we think the way to reach somebody is the number one, the confrontational style. I'm going to go so quick on this that I would encourage you to just take out your phone, take a picture of the screen because I'm going to want you to study. If you're online, uh, screenshot that junk. Come on, because you're going to need to study it and get into it. But I'm going to move swiftly. We oftentimes think the confrontational style, which was exemplified by Peter in the book of Acts chapter 2. We know that that Peter was a coward before a servant girl when Jesus was on the way to the cross. The Bible says he swore, he was cursing, I don't know Jesus Christ. The rooster crows three times after he denies Christ three times, and we realize that this guy doesn't have a backbone when it comes to what he believes in. He runs off in John 21, the fish, until Jesus shows up and calls him back. Jesus says, you're absolutely a part of my kingdom. I'm building my church upon you. And it says that once the Holy Spirit came upon him in Acts chapter 2, it says that um, then Peter stood up. Because a whole bunch of people were going, the church is drunk. (laughs) You followers of Christ, you're intoxicated way early in the morning. You've lost your mind. All you people, you've gotten loony. Who's, Who's laughing now? And Peter stood up and he confronted them. We oftentimes think that the only way to tell people about Jesus is if I wear a picket sign and stand on the corner of the streets that says, you're going to hell. (laughs) Listen, that can work. I respect people who can just walk up to a cold stranger and just go, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? (laughs) But that's really confrontational, right? Admittedly, that's not my style. I lean into it from time to time. But did you know that that is not the only way to reach people? If this is your style, you should be doing it. You should be reaching out to people. I love talking to the Walmart attendant. Uh, well, now we do self-checkout a lot. But sometimes that cart's too full. We're going to talk to a, somebody who's going to check this out. And guess what? While I'm there, I'm just going to kind of feel it out for the next 60 seconds that I have with them on if they love the Lord or not and invite them to worship with us. Uh, uh, some of you are comfortable with this, others are not. Here's the characteristics of confrontational. These are confident, assertive, direct 
people. Here's the cautions. Use tact to avoid unnecessarily offending people. Sometimes these people can be so direct that you'll take a lot for granted and you can offend people. So that's the caution, but the the exciting thing is that you can totally lean into um, who God's called you to be if this is your style. Here's the second style. Ready? Take a screenshot of this. The intellectual style. Some of you have such a brilliant mind that you can, <laughs> you can talk anyone into believing Jesus Christ if you just have a bit of time. You ever been around these people? Like they blow your mind. I know some pastors that when they speak, I, I, I just like, I, I, I give up even taking notes. I'm just convinced. Oh my goodness, this is, this is brilliant. What a sound argument. Acts 17 says in verse um, 16 that, while Paul was waiting for the believers in Athens, he was deeply troubled by the idols he saw everywhere in the city. And he went to the synagogue to reason with the people there. And he said, men of Athens, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God, this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about today. Look how wise of an approach that was. Look how, it sounds like he was on the Yale debate team. He was probably on the Pharisaical debate team, right, in his college training because he didn't walk in there and go, y'all are stupid. <laughs> Who you worshiping? Get, on, get in track. Read your Bible. That's not, that, that's not what he said. What he said was actually kind of wise. He reasoned with them. He, he observed their culture, and then he took them around to Jesus Christ slowly but surely. Here's some of the characteristics. Inquisitive, analytical, logical. Many of you have this gift, and when you do, please lean into it. We oftentimes call these people apologetics or, or apologists. I love being around apologists because I'm not naturally one. In fact, this is why I love reading books by C.S. Lewis. I asked for our team to put these out in the resource center on your way out. You can buy them today for the same price that you could get them off of Amazon. We're not going to make any money off of it. I just wanted to make it readily available for you. If you've never read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, it's a gem. You need to check it out. He is able to convince me in like two sentences that Jesus is real, even though he too, like Penn, was a former atheist who got saved by Jesus Christ. All right, so um, it's so sound as he walks through that. Here's your caution. Be careful of becoming argumentative. These people can argument. They can argue with a tree. I mean, they're just always ready to argue. Number three, the testimonial style. Um, uh, in John chapter 9, Jesus had healed a blind man, and the Pharisees are questioning how the blind man got healed. And it says this in verse 24. 24. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. So tell us the truth. How did you get healed? Verse 25, I don't know whether Jesus is a sinner or not. The man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. The testimonial side just says, I don't know how to explain it. But let me tell you what God's done in my life. You put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Like, I don't know how to come to any conclusions. I am not a theologian. I haven't taken a lot of classes, and I haven't even started reading the Bible yet. But let me tell you how the Lord has healed me. Let me tell you how, what the Lord has done for me. Let me tell you how the Lord watched over me. Testimonies are things that people can't argue with. 
If you're like, hey, I don't know if I could represent Christ well, then just tell stories of what God did because they can't argue. They're like, yeah, but that didn't happen to you. (laughs) Revelation says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we shall overcome the devil. Listen, Randy, I'm so glad to have Randy back. This is his first experience back in what, two months? He's one of our valuable members of our dream team, beloved member of our church, and uh, he walked through a really bad case of COVID, and um, it was so bad that the doctors said, we're not so sure you're going to make it. Am I getting it right, Randy? I don't want to exaggerate this thing. He was literally on his deathbed, um, and, and we wouldn't have imagined that would happen to him. And, and this is the text I get from him two weeks ago as he's on recovery He's on recovery, and he's getting off of different things that help him recover. And he said, and I asked for permission to read. He says this. I was at the lung doctor in Berlin when he looked at my hospital records, and he told me that I am lucky to still be alive. Then he said, quote, if you have a higher power that you pray to, you should thank him. I told him that I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus, and, and I shared how he changed my heart through all of this, and, and that I want to devote every day of my life to do his will. Someone say, thy will be done. He gave me a fist bump. Then he said, Jesus took you through this, my friend. He took you through this journey, and I can see how Jesus has changed you. Based on the severity of your case and how you're doing now, I am impressed Praise God. Come on. Then, Randy doesn't stop there. If you know Randy, you know that brother can talk and he can introduce you to Christ, right? He said, I also invited the nurse uh, to come to church with her family. She wrote it down and said she will try it out. We had a nice talk about family and the Lord, and she doesn't have a church. She said, I will see you there. Come on. Somebody get excited about just sharing what the Lord has done for me. i got to move fast as I close up and the, the band can come. Here's the characteristics. Just be a storyteller. All you got to do is tell stories that exemplify what God's done. Here's the caution. Beware of just talking about yourself too much. Listen first so that what the story you're telling is actually relevant to what the listener is hearing. All right? Number four, the interpersonal style. I, 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 my hope is that you'll lean into one of these, that you'll kind of say, that's my jam, and I can start shining a brighter light and being better salt because of this. Number four is the interpersonal style. Admittedly, this is my style, but I have to lean into the other five at times. Luke 5 says this, Levi, who many of us know better as Matthew, gave a great banquet for him at, for Jesus at his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them. In other words, Matthew said, I'm still figuring out who Jesus is, but I'm going to host a dinner where you can come and hear for yourself. Like, he was interpersonal. He did it with food. He didn't just go, hey, you going to hell? <laughs> come to church. He didn't just tell stories. In fact, he didn't have many stories to tell. What he did do is he said, hey, I just want to host a dinner, and someone smarter than me is going to come in and tell you about Jesus Christ. You can be interpersonal. I love playing soccer with people with the opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ. Billy Graham was fantastic at this. One of the stories about Billy Graham, if you don't know him, one of the greatest evangelists of all time. Um, and he lived throughout the 1900s, made a huge difference. Here's one cool story he told. 
he went into this small town one time to have this huge crusade. And as he got there, he ran into a, um, um, a, a, a high school age boy. And he needed to get to the post office, so he asked the boy, I'm a little bit lost. Could you help me find the post office? And uh, the boy helped him with directions to the post office. And then Billy Graham said, hey, thank you for your help. By the way, I'm holding a meeting tonight. I'm going to be telling people how to get to heaven. I would love for you to come. And this high school age boy said, uh, no, thank you. I'm going to miss that. If you don't know your way to the post office, you're surely not going to be able to tell me my way to heaven. <laughs> Billy Graham laughed at that story <laughs> because he, he, could, he could laugh about these things. But listen, that interpersonal style is just a warm personality. Make people feel at home, conversational, friendship-oriented. Here's the caution. Avoid valuing friendship over truth-telling. Because here's what I've done before. I'm, build, I'm, I'm winning brownie points. I'm winning brownie points. I'm building rapport. I'm building rapport. You could build rapport for the rest of your life and miss your opportunity to tell them about the greatest lift in life, and that's Jesus Christ. At some point, you have to leverage your friendship to tell them about Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm fearful for your soul. You were not meant for hell. And so let me tell you about my Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved my life. Amen? Number five, the invitational style. Take a picture. John 146 says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Nathaniel asked them, and Philip said, just come and see. The invitational style is what we equipped you with last week when we gave you these cards. I hope you pass these cards out to the three people on your list. And if not, I'm going to encourage you to do that before. Because some of you say, I don't know how to tell them about the Bible. I don't know how to tell them about Jesus. Why don't you just say, come and see. Come and see. Like I said, my job is to equip you to build the church. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. In fact, we're joining with you, and we're sending out 30,000 mailers to mailboxes that will hit mailboxes right before our next series, Out of the Cave. If you want to grab some of these, we got a ton that they sent us as overprint. And you can take these, and you can continue to invite people. It's even got a message from me and my wife on the back, letting them know what they would encounter if they come. If you feel unqualified, just say, why don't you come and see? Come see what the Lord is doing. Amen. And then here's the characteristics. It's relational. It's persuasive, but also the caution. Be careful not to always let others do the talking for you. First Peter tells us to be prepared to give an answer for our faith at any time. Okay. And finally, number six, the serving style. The Bible says in the book of Acts, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha who was always occupied with works of kindness and charity. She, read, she led the church gathering in that area just because she served the people so very well. Sometimes if you just serve someone who's hurting, that's a great invite to say, let me tell you what is powering my servanthood. It's Jesus Christ. Why don't you come and get to know him? This is one of the reasons why we run our van ministry. Did you know every week we have a van that runs to some local homeless shelters and picks people up and it is run by volunteers who might say, I might not have a very big light, but I can let it shine by driving a van and picking up people who want to go to church. Here's one of the pieces of feedback we got this past week. I want to read it. Someone wrote this. I really like the service that I watched online this past week. And I would like to start coming to service on Sundays with my three girls, but I don't have transportation. We are staying at the Halo shelter. Was wondering what time do you pick up at Halo. I want to make sure we are outside and ready. 
thank you in advance. Come on, isn't that amazing? Come on, isn't that awesome? In fact, we have a few Halo guests who are here with us today. You don't need to raise your hand, but come on, church. Let's give it up for them. Say, we love you. We're for you. We want to be a lift in your life. Rick Warren says this, if the hands and feet of the church are amputated, the church is nothing but a big mouth. Come on. Sometimes all we got to do is get the hands and feet activated. Let me finish with the characteristics. Other-centered, other humble, patient. The cautions is just as words are no substitute for actions, actions are no substitute for words. You got to let people know the engine that's powering this serve in Jesus' name. Amen? I know that's a lot of information, and I need to be done. But I just want to pray over you right now, okay? If, if you would just bow your head. Close your eyes. Open up your hands like your palms towards heaven. And just receive this prayer. Father, for all of your people who are following you, call us. You, you call us the church. We're, we're believers in Jesus Christ. He's become our Lord and Savior. Father, equip us to be better salt and brighter light. Give us the courage to lean into one of these ways that we can just bring your gospel to people who are hurting and need answers. Man, what, what Penn said on that thing, how much do we have to hate somebody to believe they'll go to hell and not tell them about the way to heaven? Father, that's not our heart. We know that's not our heart. But Father, sometimes fear takes over. So Lord, I speak your scripture over your church. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but you have been given a spirit of power, of love, of a sound mind. Let these characteristics carry us to go public. In Jesus' name I pray. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, let me, let me talk to some people in this room who you're not, you know I'm not right with God. You, you talked about hell a few times. And that's just scary. And if I were to ask you today, if we were talking one-on-one, -on -one, if something were to happen to you, would you make it into heaven? If there's even a shadow of a doubt in your mind whether you would make it into heaven or not, then let me tell you, I was there before. I thought, I think so. I'm a good person. I try to do good works. But the Bible says that no one is righteous or good. But what God did is he knew that you wouldn't make it to heaven on your own. And so he sent his son Jesus to live among us and be the good, righteous one you and I have already failed at doing. You know you got sin. I know I've done stupid things. I was a sinner. I needed to be saved. And Jesus Christ came to save you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you don't have to have a question mark when you answer that question. You can know with certainty that my name is written in the book of life and I will enter in to those pearly gates if something were to happen when my time comes because I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. So if you're in this place and you say, today's the day, I've got to give my life to him. Would you just raise your hand real quickly? I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to call you out. But if you just say, Pastor Drew, include me in that prayer. I need to live life differently. I'm giving him my life today. Come on. I see hands throughout this room. I'm so proud of you. You can put it down. You don't have to hold it up. But I'm so proud of the courage that it takes to do that. If you're online, just write in the chat. Include me in that prayer. And then as a church, come on, church, we're going to pray with the people who raise their hand. And we're going to pray a simple prayer saying, Jesus is my Lord. And I'm sorry for my sin. So if you raised your hand, would you pray along with the whole church and repeat after me? Jesus, I give you my life. I've made some mistakes. I am a sinner. 
I've screwed up. I've hurt myself. And most importantly, I hurt you. I know this isn't who you called me to be. So, Father, help me get back on track. I want to start over today. And I thank you, Jesus, that you died in my place, paid the penalty of my sin so that they could be wiped out. I have a fresh slate starting today. Help me to live for you because, Jesus, you are my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said... Amen.